Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah podcast in a very special spooky season episode. Joining me today is Patrick Ray. Uh, Patrick is a very accomplished uh, horror movie director um, who has worked on many a film, including one that I executive produced and distributed called I Am Lisa. Patrick, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a filmmaker uh, based out of Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, like you said, you uh, were very much involved with the release of I Am Lisa, and then um, before that, I had a film called, it was originally called Enclosure, which I can talk about this some, at some point, but it was called Arbor Demon when it was released, um, and then I did a film called Nailbiter. I most recently just had a film called They Wait in the Dark, uh, released through 1091 Pictures, um, that's on streaming. And uh, yeah, so I'm just based here in Kansas City and then continue to make films here. That's great. I mean, I've got. I recently did some stuff on the uh, some regional filmmaking communities and just how uh, vital it is for the next phase of our industry. And I applaud you for continuing to grow your career in a uh, non-typical spot for film making. Um, Actually, on that note, let's start there. Um, I was talking to Eric, who was the writer-producer of I Am Lisa, and there's a different episode there. Um, and he mentioned that you actually do a, at least occasional speaking for local college campuses and all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we all do once we hit a certain level. Um, and he said that you specifically told filmmakers not to go to LA is that well I mean that's yeah. to some extent like I I mean I okay so I went to uh the University of Kansas I actually uh grew up in Nebraska and then I I, I um moved mm -hmm. to, to Lawrence Kansas to study film uh and um yeah I have since been able to come back and talk to the students I, I speak to the students at UMKC which is also a school here in Kansas City and um, generally, I'm always telling people right now with the technology the way it is, you don't necessarily have to move to Los Angeles to make a film. Mm -hmm. um, that, and so I'm always telling people, look, you've got the same equipment here. All you need is a good story and, and um, a group of people that you enjoy working with and, and uh, continue to grow your talents uh, here rather than like having to move to Los Angeles. And so I think things kind of changed with the digital revolution. And so that's mm -hmm. why I'm always telling people, look. Um, you have the, you have access to the tools just so, so go make it. You don't really have an excuse now to not make a movie. Um, so I always tell people just go make it happen. Start obviously with short films and build mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, your, your, either your, your brand or the group of, of filmmakers you're working with and grow together. And, um, I think that's what it takes to kind of grow the, uh, local film scene at, at whatever city you're in. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that. The only exception to that is if you start making films that are in the upper half of the seven million or of the seven yes, of uh, figure range, then you kind of have to have some hub involvement just mm -hmm. because you're not going to find that level of money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, right. And even just any time you're in the seven figure range, yeah. it gets hard. Um, I've only done a few there. And um, 
Yeah, so I, I think that, but if you're just starting your career and you really want to have more of a resume behind you before you move to uh, those hubs, making your first couple features in an in a secondary or tertiary market, with, by which right. I mean anywhere beyond New York, LA, or Georgia, um, is really, it can be a really big competitive advantage for you. So absolutely, absolutely. And I think a lot of people uh, right out of out of college, you know, want to stick around and they're in Kansas City has got a really good commercial market. Mm -hmm. So um, they're just a lot of talented people and we've got lots of gear. So it's one of those things where if you want to get your, you know, start making a, a low budget feature here, it's much easier to get started here than it would be if you were to move to the coast at this point. So, oh, entirely. I mean, you have your first feature. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, your first feature, especially as a director, you generally have to finance yourself unless you get really lucky. And that's going to mean calling in every favor you've got. Right. And right. if you move to one of the coastal cities, you're going to need to get all those favors again. Yeah. And that is not always a wise position to be in. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you're, when you're out here and also it's one of those things where, um, I mean, it's just nice because people can go sleep in their own beds. We don't, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. everybody can just, you know, uh, it's a community-based thing. And, and there's a lot of locations here in Kansas City, for instance, that um, are happy to help at this point, you know. And, mm -hmm. and if you go in there and you say, hey, I'd like to make a film, 90% of the time mm -hmm. they'll agree to it and um, be happy to help. And so I think that that definitely helps as well. And, you know, I mean, we have weather issues out here, which is always, always the case. You're going to have an issue wherever you go. Um, I mean, when we shot, they wait in the dark last uh, two summers ago. So it would have been June of 2021. I mean, it was in the hundred over a hundred degrees in some of those days that we were filming. And so that's the kind of thing that you just have to, you know, deal with. And there were uh, some days on, I am Lisa where the weatherman, the local weatherman was like, if you don't have to go outside, don't go outside. But we're, you know, we're in a situation where we're making a low budget feature mm -hmm. in 14 days and moving one day over was going to make the schedule just derail. And in some ways could have prevented the movie from being completed. So we really had to just go out and make it happen. And because we had such a tight knit group of filmmakers who enjoy working with each other, we made it work, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, I grew up in Colorado um in a small town called steamboat springs and i went to film school in denver uh -huh. um one of my first uh i think it was like a, the first semester final we went to one of my friend's parents house in estes and the we had a similar situation the weather wasn't as bad but basically because we were in this three block radius in Estes, we were able to get away with a lot of shit in yeah. filming stuff. Damn it. I did not make even close to 20 minutes this time. Oh, well, um, sorry. The, uh, you're not supposed to swear for the first 20 minutes on YouTube. Oh, really? No. Yeah. Beep it. It, you can beep it. I am not, I, I don't have that sound library set up. Right. Um, I am, if I told you how I edited these, you would laugh at me and I would deserve it. Um, the, uh, but I am, uh, oh, well happens. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, you kind of just got to work with what you got and you've got to be able to account for, uh, the unexpected, like, yeah. yeah. So shifting gears a little bit. Okay. 
how did you decide to just start making horror movies? Well, okay. I mean, it, you got to go all the way back to my childhood. <laughs> it was one of those things where I wasn't supposed to be watching horror movies. I, I was a kid in the 80s and my parents were, you know, my parents were very lenient on what I watched. They really they really were. But um, I mean, they were like, okay, you can't watch Freddy. You can't watch Jason. But then I would watch them anyway because I, you know, <laughs> I had my own TV and I had cable. Um, so it, it because of that, I had this interest in the genre um, I had a subscription to Fangoria magazine and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, so I always knew that that was the kind of genre I wanted to do. I know that sometimes people think, well, horror lends itself to low budget filmmaking, which is mm-hmm. true, which is very true. But, and they're like, is that the, is that why you do it? I go, no, I just love, love horror movies. And I watch every horror movie that gets released. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of why, and you know, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I had some some low budget horror ideas that I thought were kind of contained. And and so uh, we just went out and made it happen. And um, I haven't stopped. And I feel like it's good because I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, it's a fear with filmmakers, I think, is if you make one feature and then you're done. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's harder to get the next couple done. And, and so you just have to keep going and really just uh, never look back. And, and um, so that's kind of. That's kind of the way it's worked out. You know, I shot um, Nailbiter was mostly shot in Lawrence, Kansas, when I was Mm -hmm. I was actually working for a TV studio at the time. And um, they were one of the investors in the project as well. And um, we actually shot a majority of that movie in a warehouse that was originally used to build organs, musical organs. And um, that particular building was used for the movie Carnival of Souls, which is a very, very famous mm-hmm. 1960s horror film, black and white. And so because um, that was also shot in Lawrence, Kansas, it was just a very interesting thing. So um, so we shot that movie and it was one of those things where, of course, like halfway through production, we ran out of money <laughs> and we had we had gotten about two thirds of the movie shot and we ran out of money and we had to take an entire year off to raise more money. Mm-hmm. And so there was this fear that we were never going to finish the film. Um, I was worried the actors were going to change their look and, you know, and mm-hmm. look completely different when we brought them back. But luckily, you know, we persevered, got through it and uh, finished the film. And then it was released. It's funny because the first feature I always tell people takes like more than a couple of years, mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Um, and that one took about four years mm-hmm. to complete. And it got released in 2013. It was actually in the red box kiosks in 2013 nice. and uh yeah and and so um and then it aired for a while on chiller which was a channel that nbc universal owned mm-hmm. uh, that closed i think it stopped airing in 2018 um and um but around that time i started working on another project and and um do you mind if i just keep going with my uh, uh, i mean keep... like i i i i will stop you if you get too far off but okay, i, no, I I'm, haven't found... I'm gonna go for, yeah okay so um So I started writing a film with uh, my co-writer, Michelle Davidson. We worked on several projects together and and we wrote a film called Enclosure, which was, again, a very contained horror movie because it's Mm -hmm. most of it's inside of a tent, hence the title Enclosure. And um, we wrote the film to take place in the Ozarks, which is about three hours from from here. Mm -hmm. And um, it ended up being financed in Charleston, South Carolina. So we ended up filming the movie in in Charleston, South Carolina uh, in December of 2014, which is funny because 
December in Charleston is pretty warm. So you forget that it was it was like a couple of weeks before Christmas, but it felt like yeah. you know, it was in the 70s the whole time. Um, but we shot the whole movie in 12 days. It starred uh, Fiona Dorif and Jake Busey and an actor named Kevin Ryan, who's been doing a lot of television lately. Uh, he's become very successful. Um, and Wait, was it Jake that was in uh, Starship Troopers? Or yes, was that... he was okay. in Starship Troopers. He's been in a lot of stuff lately. He was on Stranger Things Mm-hmm. season three um and it was it was it was good and so we ended up uh the film got released it premiered at fright fest in london which was mm-hmm. my first film getting into fright fest so i was very excited it's and, a good fest yeah and it was under the name enclosure at the time mm-hmm. but then when the distributor picked it up this was around the time where everything was alpha stacking you know they wanted it to of be, course yeah 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 so they so they they changed the title to an a title which was arbor demon which i thought was a for for a what I would consider a slow burn art house horror movie that was kind of a on the nose title, but that's, that's yeah. called a distributor retitle, right? And that. I, that was my first experience with that. I was not pleased, and I have since gotten over it. But it was very very at the time, um, I was not I was not happy. With Did it, it have I, anything to do with trees? Yes. Okay. Well, at least there's that, and I have a uh, I have seen. I think my favorite was um, admittedly a movie I represented where a distributor retitled it from Paralytic to Narco Hitman. Okay. Which, um, the film was about a, a hitman for the cartel and okay. basically his last job. So that did make some degree of sense. Yeah. What didn't was that it was a slow burn psychological thriller similar to Memento. Yeah. And the box art had the lead actress face photoshopped onto somebody else and tons of building exploding behind him. Yeah. So that was Yeah, welcome. that happens. I mean, when Nailbiter was released in Japan, they released it with this massive cuz the movie it, it, the, the story elements there's a mm-hmm. tornado and the and the mom and daughters run into a cellar, tree falls on the cellar door, and then from there it becomes a creature movie. But okay. the, the tornado the and I've been trying to make a sequel to this movie for like a decade. I really have. And I re- always wanted to do it. Um, but um, so the, the, the poster the, Jap- the, the Japanese release had was a giant tornado with like gremlins jumping out of it. And then like three or four actors that have n- never, that were not in the movie running from an exploding house. And it was just like, uh, but you know what? I, I, I have to say it was actually pretty cool. Um <laughs> But yeah, so back to Arbor Demon, they, like they released it in 2017, um, and you know it's on MGM Plus now. It was on Paramount Plus up till a couple, about a month ago, and I think then they they got rid of a lot of their their yeah. film stuff. But um, so the film has done well, and then um, after that, I ended up taking a complete detour. Um, I was approached by a writer producer here in Kansas City who was making a family film. And uh, she was originally going to direct the film, and then I ended up uh, taking over because she was she had some life life issues mm-hmm. that she needed to deal with, so she asked me to direct, and so I did. Um, and um, great experience. We shot the movie in here in Kansas City over a I think it was sixteen days. It was my longest schedule. <laughs> I felt I was like, what am I going to do with all this time? But uh, you know, they always tell you. Uh, don't work with dogs and children. And I did both with this movie. And um, that's dangerous. Very dangerous. It was actually pleasant. So I feel like if I do it again, I'm testing fate. 
but um it was a pleasant experience for the most part and um mm-hmm. that movie was called belong to us it got released in 2019 it's on peacock right now and it's on a number of other uh streaming services i think it's on redbox on demand and stuff it was on yeah. up T- it was on up tv's uh, uh streaming service for a while as well and then they still at- around up tv i think still is around um so their streaming service is called up tv faith and family and so it was oh, okay it's on there for about two years and then um but it was funny because i met eric winkler on that movie because his son i cast his son in the film and so oh, okay. he was on set several days and he kept telling me about this werewolf film that he was writing this werewolf revenge film and so, you know, flash forward to, to 2019 and I <laughs> we're shooting it. So we filmed <laughs> that movie uh, in Kansas City, hot summer. Um, and that was a 14 day shoot. Um, but it was that was only 14 days. It was only 14 days. And the thing is that like for the main for the main principal photography, obviously we had some pickups and stuff like that, but it was 14 days. And the crazy thing was, you know, the good thing was I basically a lot of the locations were 10, 15 minutes from my house. So it was one of those first time experiences where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I just have to go up the street. You know, it was <laughs> nice. It was nice. Um, and uh, so we filmed that and uh, we're able to do I do all my own editing. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to do post really through the first part of the pandemic, the start mm-hmm. of the pandemic. We were finishing out post production in May and then we had the movie finished for the summer of of uh uh 2020 and that movie also premiered at fright fest which at that that year it was a completely uh, that was a very different market Um, i mean and that was i did we get it did mutiny pictures get it right before or right after fright fest i know we were talking it was right before it was right before yeah so Um, i remember yeah because i think it was yeah because yeah we're emailing you guys to tell you that it got into fright fest um yeah and uh, but yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, because it was the pandemic, the premiere was virtual and it, and it was it was, you know, one of those things where it was locked to just the UK. So nobody in the US could see the online unless you had a VPN. I mean, sorry. Wait, yes. Nobody in yeah, the US. Exactly. Exactly. Movie. So um, but yeah, so then and then the movie got released in the red box in 2021 and the film has mm-hmm. continued to do well. It's in, it's on screen box right now. We're hoping and praying that we can get a sequel going with that film. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a script that I'm really, really excited about. And uh, um, yeah, so- I'm not, uh, since I sold Mutiny, I'm not involved with Lisa One anymore. But it is, I still talk to some of the same international buyers when I'm at markets. Yeah. And they still ask about it, at mm-hmm. least every once in a while. So mm-hmm. I can't, I, say you have to talk to the right people and that's all i say yeah exactly yeah it's a um but look it is that movie was a sleeper um it was we thought it was gonna do well that's why we took it but it was still one of our i want to say like our first five acquisitions yeah um and might have been first 10 but not more than that Mm -hmm. um and it kind of blew our expectations out of the water, which yeah. was great. And also is kind of an example of why, at least to a level, um, as a filmmaker, you need to advocate for your own work yeah. and you need and you need to be able to take low expectations in stride because right. basically nobody knows 
what Nobody it's actually going to do. Nobody knows. And I think it had a good, you know, when he pitched me the story idea, I was yeah. like, that hasn't been done before. And that's a good thing about doing, that's about the good thing about watching a lot of horror movies. I watch just about everything. So I'm yeah. kind of always thinking to myself, okay, what has, what hasn't been done before? So you don't, you're not repeating somebody else's work, you know? And there's always yeah. been, there's been female werewolf movies before, uh, but never one that was like a revenge movie. I th- mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like, I was excited about the premise. Uh, yeah. But so the film, that film is continues to do well. And I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased with that. Um, and then I was approached in November of 2020, uh, my friend Megan Flynn, who is a producer here in Kansas City and also mm-hmm. an actress. She's actually in Up in the Air. Um, oh, wow. She, yeah, she's done a lot of stuff. She just recently was in, on Tulsa King. She has a small role on Tulsa King. But okay. she's based here in Kansas City. And she she reached out to me and she's like, I want to make a feature. And I'm like, awesome. She go, And she gave me the parameters of what mm-hmm. the budget would be. And I'm like, well, that would be a good haunted house budget. <laughs> so, yeah. so basically, I wrote this script um, uh, called "They Wait in the Dark," and it's it's more or less it's an LGBTQ haunted house. That's horror. LGBTQ horror is yeah. a very solid bet right. if you can do it authentically, and yes. only if you can do it authentically. Well, I mean, I wrote it for uh, my lead, Sarah McGuire, who is part of the mm-hmm. LGBT community and she mm-hmm. uh she's a fantastic actress i have enjoyed working with her i'm shooting another film with her right now as we speak uh she was in several pro- of my uh short films she's in i am lisa she gets her face melted off in a fryer um, i was wondering if it was her um, yeah no it's definitely her um and so yeah like it's so it's one of those things where i wrote the script for her in mind so that was that was never a question i always had the lead in mind but mm-hmm. what i wanted to figure out was for me, the biggest problem with haunted house movies is I'm always kind of like, why do they stay? You know, the second I see a, a chair move or something fly off the wall, I'd be like, all right, we're going to get oh, we're out. It's we're out. Yeah. And it makes sense in like poltergeist because the girl is missing. Carol mm-hmm. Ann's missing. The only way they can communicate with her is through the TV. So obviously they're not going to want to leave. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I have to figure out a reason why she's hiding in this house. Well, so I wrote it where she's on the run with her adopted son, Adrian, and she doesn't have a car. She's hitchhiking and she gets back to her childhood home, which is in the middle of nowhere in Kansas on a farm. And she's hiding from her ex-girlfriend. So that was my idea. So, so it's kind of got the threat of the of the ex-girlfriend and it has the threat mm-hmm. of something supernatural that's happening inside the house and by the time she figures out what's happening it's too late because the girlfriend's found her so she's boxed in in this situation um oh so, so you've got so there's basically that threat from outside the house yep. as well as from in that's yes okay yes so so um like i said by the time she figures out okay this house is haunted she can't exactly just leave because the the girlfriend is closing in on her and tracking her down so it was um that was my challenge. So I wrote the script in November of 2020 and uh we ended up filming the film in June of 2021 and it was a 12-day shoot um with one day of like aerials and inserts and stuff like that. So it mm-hmm. was very quick, but I wrote That's it so weird. that we could do yeah. it in that period of time, you know? Yeah. Um we shot a couple locations in Kansas City. One in Leavenworth, Kansas, where the prison is. We shot the gas mm-hmm. station there. And then we shot the house stuff in Topeka, which is about an hour and 15 from Kansas City. 
mm-hmm. which was a challenge in the sense of, okay, we found the perfect location. It's this abandoned farmhouse that's going to be renovated. In fact, they were renovating it while we were filming. So like they would tell us, they're like, Hey, the kitchen's going to look completely different tomorrow. We're like, Oh shit, we better get all, all of the, <laughs> the, the, the shots done by that point. Right. So, um, yeah, but, uh, but anyway, so then, the, you know, the challenge is you, you have a choice. You can either rent a house and make it look like what the way you want it, or you can, you know, and then, but then you can also find somebody who's living in a house that looks like the way you want it, but then you have to pay for their hotel room while you're filming. So we were lucky. We found a house that basically was abandoned mm-hmm. and had all this stuff inside of it still. Um, and it was, it was great. I mean, it, we had to go in there and kind of make it nicer because it was like a health. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, 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 uh, um, I have a side business in real estate investment and property management mm-hmm. here in Philadelphia, which means I've been in a lot of long abandoned houses and those right. places can get really scary really yeah. fast. Yeah. 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 No, it was, yeah. it was, um, you know, and we were 20, June, 2021 was kind of that weird gap between people being vaccinated and Omicron. So it was like, mm-hmm. we had this nice little window of opportunity to make a movie. And then it was like July, Omicron took off and everybody was getting sick again and stuff. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were able to get it done in that time period. And and um, so then we premiered the film once again at Fright Fest. I, I'm I make it my life goal to premiere all my features there. If the time, I mean, the time it's a right. good place to do it. Yeah, really. it, gets you, it gets you a lot yeah. of attention and it's just a really great festival. The only bad thing about this last time I was there is I caught COVID while I was in London. But that's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's not my own fault. fault. That's my yes. own fault. <laughs> um, but uh, so we premiered it there and then um, the movie got released in February. Um, we got a nice uh, review in the New York Times and... Um, did they did they did you get the LA Times as well or just the New York? Just the New York Times. Okay. Were so, they nice to you? Yes, they gave it a positive review. So Oh, that's great. The yeah, um, so, yeah, go ahead. No, we were like that was one of the things where like my producer that morning, she texted me, she's like, We're in the New York Times, and I'm like, Oh God, please tell me it's a good review. And it was, it was very positive. And so we're at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, at least with the critics. Mm-hmm. Um that's and, not so bad. That's yeah, quite no. good. So Are you I, certified yet? Do you have enough for the cer- I, for no, certified? No, we have fit, we have fifteen reviews up there, but that's, that's close. Still, it's yeah. Twenty, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it was good, and and so uh, you know we're we're continuing to screen, and I just had um I've had three screenings of the movie in the last couple of days. I had one mm-hmm. in Topeka on Saturday. And... Oh, this is the ten ninety one that we Correct. were talking about in the pre roll. Yes, right? correct. 1091 uh, Pictures distributes the film mm-hmm. in the U.S. And so, um, and I, I've been screen. it's got a couple screenings here in Kansas City. Probably the last time it's going to be playing on the big screen before it's strictly, you know, streaming. And um, I think they told us that we're going to be hopefully in a couple different places streaming-wise in October for Halloween. Right now it's on Apple TV and Voodoo and, and uh iTunes and you always start it with the T VOD. That's the T VOD yeah. Yeah. I'm praying I'm praying that it ends up in some cool places. And so um mm-hmm. but it's a very it's I'm very proud of the movie. Um but it was one of those movies where I'm like, if this doesn't work, it's a, it's almost a hundred percent my fault. Because mm-hmm. because you know, I wrote the script, I edited the film, directed the film, so I felt like a lot of pressure um to not to not mess it up so it sounds like a really solid 
it, it's I'm very yeah. I'm very proud of it and the performances are really good in it and you know we made it for like a teeny tiny frat budget you know yeah and, um, we did it with a small crew and um, we were lucky in the in the sense that when we you know we wouldn't have been able to make the movie in twelve days if we hadn't had that location because yeah. we were able to leave all the lights set up for the next day so it was a walkaway set you know um, that really saved us so oh yeah. No, um, so I've wanted to start a podcast for, yeah. uh, like a bit over a year at very least since I, since I sold Mutiny. Right. Big reason it took me so long to start it is I was absolutely adamant that I needed to have a room in my house that is a walkaway set with a green screen yeah. and lights because yeah. I knew I would never use it if it wasn't that. And right. that's a very, very, very small scale of what you're talking yeah. about but it is it's vital yeah entirely. otherwise you feel like you have to set it up each time and then you get less motivated to actually do it if it's already set you just have to sit down and make it happen you know yeah um, but yeah no it, it's it's it was nice in the sense that basically we knew the house was getting renovated so we're like oh uh do you mind if we put some nails in the wall nope okay cool you know because you never know if you're working on somebody else's in somebody else's house um i know funny story on i am lisa it was like the first or second day of production mm -hmm. uh, we were filming in somebody's house and um you know it was a situation where we didn't know there were cats in the basement and so somebody opened the door and one of the cats got out <laughs> you know and those kind of things happen and you're just like well we didn't know that the cat was in there you know but but and then and then uh, I, this is a story i tell a lot um we uh the house was completely surrounded by police and i don't know if eric ever told you the story but it was funny because we're filming a kitchen scene for i am lisa and i'm like directing and then i'm like why are there cops in the windows walking back and forth and i'm thinking well what did we do I, i'm like did we park the grip truck in the wrong place what's going on so um we stopped and when i see all the cops in the backyard around this bag in in the in this backyard uh, where we're filming and uh it turns out that somebody down the street had robbed a house and they were on the run and they jumped the fence where we were filming and they dropped the a duffel bag of uh cuban cigars that they had stolen from the neighboring house how many cuban cigars did that guy have i mean they said it was fifty thousand dollars worth of cuban cigars so well, i can see why you got robbed yeah um, and so the guy ran in the backyard dropped the bag and then kept running so then all the cops swarmed the house that we're filming in so it was one of the weirdest things i'm like well of course that's what happens you know and then we end up filming at a place where we needed a security guard um because it was a defunct uh, ga uh police station and then oh, nothing yeah. happened that time nothing happens <laughs> then you know it's like we're filming in this nice person's house and it's like oh that's when we get swarmed by police so that was that was a fun story, and I, it was everybody found it comical, and it didn't set us back that much time. You know, you sometimes you worry. You're like, all right, well, I guess we're gonna well, have my day shot losing light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it worked out, but it was it was yeah. pretty funny. That's okay. Eric never told me that story, and I'm yeah. gonna Maybe have he's to blocked it from it. his memory. But yeah, that was just like the second day of filming. <laughs> really wild. And, uh, um, that's. That's really entertaining. Um, so 
there was one time when I was in film school and I wasn't involved in this production. Um, it was like my first year and these people were like third or fourth year um, where in Denver they were shooting in a warehouse and it was like a heist scene. I don't remember. I wasn't involved, but the UPM just like right before and they, they had prop guns on oh. set because, you know, sometimes you do. Man. And the UPM saw it and it's like, hey, did we ever let the cops know oh. that we've got prop guns? And then the director said, no, let's do that. So they delay 10 minutes, let them know. The cop says, okay, let me put you on hold while we run this. And then the person comes back and says, it's really, really, really good you let us know. Because in the warehouse right next to you is SWAT team training. And they are going to just, they would have come in guns blazing. It wouldn't have mattered. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's a real fear. And, you know, we've been Mm -hmm. filming, uh, well, I mean, with They Wait in the Dark, I have a scene where I have several guns in that movie. And, and, and we have a scene where there's an eight year old in the film and the mother is teaching him how to fire a rifle. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we filmed this obviously, uh, uh, several months before rust happened. So mm-hmm. thinking back to it, because we were very nervous that day because the kid, it was blanks, obviously, yeah. but like, still, it's very, it's very uh, stressful. And it was a hundred degrees in the shade and all of us were getting frustrated because, you know, your brain goes to mush when it's that hot. Um, but I think that had we shot the movie after Rust, I would have rewritten the script so that there wouldn't have been any guns in the film. Um, I'm just too paranoid and... Um, yeah, it just seems to me now like the film I'm I'm shooting right now. I'm actually shooting a found footage horror movie right now. I I, I decided this summer that we were just I had I've had one idea for a found footage movie, and um, I decided to pull the trigger on it. No pun intended. I I, I didn't even mean to make that a, a pun, <laughs> but anyway, so. We decided to do it because, I mean, the it's a non-union project and mm-hmm. it's between the strike is happening right now. And I was just like, now is a good time to go out and make something. Yeah. So we've been filming it found footage style because it, I, I've always seen it that way as, 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 as this, this kind of movie. Um, but I eliminated all guns from the from the uh, script. I mean, all- it's I, I understand why there are certain stories that necessitate guns and things. Yeah. And also they are exciting. Yeah. There's a reason that um, the three basic sorts of movies that you could make that are almost assured a profit are right. uh, girls and guns, babes and blood and kids and dogs. Weirdly, yeah. not at Christmas. That one. At Christmas. Yes. Maybe Christmas. You get all of those. Especially at Christmas. Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the oh god, don't mix all three of those. So there's, the FBI is going to get involved if you do. Um, but the uh, so anyway, uh, that is I forget where we were, but I think I was talking a, about yeah. my found footage movie, which is yes. a vamp- it's a vampire found footage movie. So okay, um, a lesbian vampire found footage movie, obviously, because I wrote it for Sarah, and it's it's. It starts off, it's funny because it starts off kind of comedic and then becomes more of a, a horror movie. Um, but we've been filming it. It's funny because we've been filming it in an area of Kansas City called the West Bottoms, which is not a place that you necessarily want to be at night, but they've made it much nicer. But had we gone down there with with replica guns or fake guns, it would have been terrible, terrible decision. 
That would be, yeah, that's almost, I mean, so is it more like uh, what we do in the shadows or is it more like, I guess, Nosferatu or, you know, I would say that where the comedy, it's a little bit more like, you know, it's hard to explain because it starts off, she's um, Mm -hmm. filming her dates for her, for her her dating blog. And Mm -hmm. through some uh, happenstance, she ends up on a date with a, a girl who actually is a vampire. And um, but then she they find themselves being chased by the vampire hunters. And so the vampire hunters are more or less the villains of the movie. But um, and so it's all through her camera and her brother's camera, because her brother's the one who films her dates. So there's but then there's a camera guy with the vampire hunters filming the hunt. So there's two, there's all these different, there's these different perspectives found footage-wise that that I'm but I mean, the movie is going to be very tight. It's going to be a very, sh- I wouldn't mm-hmm. say like, it's not going to be one of my problems with a lot of found footage movies, which um, I've seen a lot. I like That's one of my favorite subgenres of horror. Um, there, A lot of them are too long. Like a lot of them are way yeah. too long. There so- are a lot of issues with found footage to yeah. begin with. Yeah. Um, I've had, I don't even know how many submitted to me. Um, I've only ever signed two. Okay. One was another lesbian uh, found footage movie called By Day's End. And there are stories I could tell about that, but now I've named it, I probably shouldn't. Um, the uh, other one would be Skinnamarink, which yeah. was one of the last things I signed at Mutiny. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like By Day's End, um, it was not a Mutiny Pictures release. It was uh, something I represented and did the best I could with it, but the company that ended up getting it, we had creative differences with. Um, I will yeah. leave it there. Well, this I think is going to be just under eighty minutes. I mean, it moves. Oh, fast. that's better. That's it better. moves fast. That's, it it yeah. does because it, once it hits the thirty-minute mark, it just zooms, and that's the thing is that it needs to. Um, the mm-hmm. performances I'm really happy with because Sarah is so good, and mm-hmm. uh, I I cast this this actress named Valerie Bates. Um, she's fantastic. And then um I might make a cameo in it. Uh my wife is in it. It's 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 like it's become a family affair, let me tell you. And the thing is, I, I think Are you one of the vampire hunters. No, my wife is like the main vampire hunter. Really? I would yes. have expected her to be one of the dates as a cameo. No, no, no. Okay. She's, um, and she's it's it's uh she's sort of unrecognizable in it. Um <laughs> and so uh we have one more day of shooting and I've been editing as we go. So I'm excited. I'm hoping it will be the sound post is going to take a long time because yeah, it's, um, that gets yeah. brutal. It's, it's well, um, mainly because it, where the found footage movies really succeed is in the sound design. Mm-hmm. And if you look at paranormal activity, it's one of those things where, um, you know, visually it's horrible. I mean, it just is mm-hmm. like, it doesn't look good, but sound wise, it's like, it it transports you, and I think that's why it's important to um, really sell the sound. I I mean that's with every movie. I think sound is more oh, always. It's more see, important visual. It's an invisible art. Again, mm-hmm. I know this is to anybody watching this. Right. You probably already know that, but right. basically, audience will notice if your sound is off. Yeah, um, a lot faster than they'll notice if your shots are. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why when I went in last night for my screening at. Uh, uh, for they wait in the dark. I was like, "How does it sound? It looks mm-hmm. pretty, but how does it sound? Is it synced? 
you know, you just never know. Um, but yeah, so the sound post on on my found footage horror movie will be extensive because um, we're writing songs for it and all that stuff. So it's going to be um, a little while, but it'll be sometime next year when it's out and hopefully and I'll get it, try to get a festival festival I mean, yeah, premiere the, and such. Yeah, I, I would definitely like to know more about that as it comes out. Um, yeah. The uh, But let's move on to talking a little bit about distribution because sure. you talked about really some great placement um, for even your early movies. And uh, that's not a success that all filmmakers share. So I'd be curious to know how you found these distribution deals or if they found you and how, without naming names in general, how do you feel about the distribution you've received? (laughs) Um, So, you know, with, with some of my films, it's interesting because with Arbor Demon, I wasn't a producer. Mm-hmm. I was the director. I was the co-writer. So they were the ones who, who found the distribution deal for that. And it, it it has been in a lot of places. I think it was on Hulu within the first three or four months that it came out. It's not, that's not terrible. Yeah. Well, and that was 2017. Yeah. And, um, and then it made its way to, um it's on fubo tv i don't know if you know what fubo TV. i i do yes that it's an avod isn't it yeah and then um it it's on it was on paramount plus for like two years and now it's on mgm plus it's weird because it's like it just changes all the time epics was originally uh you know that that's what it originally was and then it rebranded mm-hmm. mgm plus so um i've been pleased with where that movie has ended up um, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it's now called Arbor Demon versus Enclosure. And they may have been, you know, I will eat my words. Would it have done as well with the title Enclosure? I would have felt better from an artistic standpoint, but maybe the movie did better because of the title. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it had a decent international release. Ironically, it's called Enclosure in the UK. They released it under its original title. Um, That's actually pretty common. Yeah, more common yeah. than you'd think, but yeah. yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, belong to us. Um, again, it was a situation where I wasn't necessarily involved with the distribution as much. I, I, you know, gave my two cents in the process, but uh, um, and we went through, and I'm blanking on the name of the of the company. Um, that has not been as well of a good of a of a, of a uh, experience. To be perfectly transparent with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we hit the movie came out in August of 2019. It was in Walmart. And um, once we hit the pandemic, it was like radio silence, even though the movie was showing up on, on various, you know, streaming services. So I am not in a position where I can do anything legally. It's more of a position where the producer has to do something. So full disclosure on that one. That's um, yeah. I mean, that's really unfortunate. It happened a lot. Yeah, no um, quarterly, no quarterly yeah. reports. Uh, I think we received one in, in the first, and this is a, if I remember, it's a pretty decent sized company um, that continues to pick up movies and. Uh, uh, oh, so it's but, not just like they folded; it's just that they. No, stopped. no, I thought they were, yeah. but then I saw that they were actually producing a movie on top of it. So it's not. Um, so that is. Oh, I have a guess, that, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I'm not. You know, it's one of those things where I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to remain 
uh, fairly uh, quiet. But yeah, it, it has, I mean, perfectly honest with you, it has not been great. The movie has mm-hmm. gotten a lot of eyes on it. Like I said, it's on Peacock and all these different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's streaming now. It, every now, every every other day, it's playing on like Redbox's Faith and Family ch- uh, channel on Roku. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, so it's always on. Um, and then there's a point, you know, I'll be honest with you, there's a point as a filmmaker where um, if I'm not a producer on the movie, my work is mostly done at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I will market the film on my on my social media. But if it comes to it, situations with a distributor, like I I, I can't. It's not your job, right? Now, it's, if I'm yeah. a producer on it, different story altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Nailbiter was interesting because it went through Grindstone, which is a subsidiary of Lionsgate. Yeah, and they pushed it really hard for the first. I mean, like I said it was on Chiller. It was it was yeah. It it did really well, and then after Chiller folded. It's been very quiet. Um, so I keep waiting for some type of resurgence of some type, but it's in, but it hasn't really, it's been very quiet. And I get asked a lot, uh, even this last weekend when I was uh, at uh, a particular film festival, somebody goes, hey, mm-hmm. when are you going to make Nailbiter 2? Because I tease it at the end of the first movie. And then it just, mm-hmm. it it was never, we were never able to get it off the ground. It, it's sequels um, on, for indie films. I never want to do them just to do them. You know, I I think that there's this there's sometimes a feeling like we're just going to throw something together and and put a two behind it and make some money. And I'm like, I have to make it better than the last one. I have to, you know, you have to do the um, El El Mariachi. The Desperado. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, Or I always I always say and I think Eric is tired of me mentioning it. He always says alien and aliens. I'm always like. Mad Max and Road Warrior, you know, like for me, like yeah. that's such a huge, the, between those two, there's such a huge leap to me. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, so yeah, I mean, for me, that experience was, was, was positive for Nailbiter until we hit 2018. And then it's been very quiet because it was on mm-hmm. the horror channel in the UK. And now that's a different, they rebranded. I can't remember the name of them, that channel in the UK now, but it's not the horror channel. It's got like a one word name um, yeah i should know, you know what i'm talking it's, about right I, I do yeah yeah it's, um... so it was getting a lot of play and i had a lot of people in fact i like when i premiered enclosure at fright fest somebody came to me with the, the uk dvd of of uh nail biter and had me sign it and it was with um i'm trying to remember the name of the company that it was with at the time in the uk that went into administration and then the movie just kind of disappeared 101 mm-hmm. films was supposed to get the rights to Nailbiter, but then yeah. they never did anything with it. That's I mean, look, I I know a lot of the people at 101, and in general, yeah. all of my experiences have been positive with them. That yeah. is possible yeah. that uh, it got uh, lost. You know, yeah. I even met with the guy. Uh, funny enough, we ran into each other at Fright Fest, and he goes, "I'm getting your movie because the company yeah. that 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 was do that was falling into administration at the time, all of their." their movies were going over to one-on-one films, but then they never put it, they never put it out. I don't know what happened. It was very disappointing. Um, That is unfortunate. It it, it does. Unfortunately, it happens a lot. There's a lot of weird behind the scenes restructuring that happens. Right. When the movie is still up on, it's still on, you know, Apple TV and it's still on iTunes Mm -hmm. and it's still on, it's available on Amazon. It's still available streaming wise it's never gone to any of the free services the the mm-hmm. what you call avod 
Or, yeah. You know, yeah. It's never been, it's never been on any of those. And so, but I've noticed that a lot of films picked up by Lionsgate don't necessarily end up on some of the free streaming services as much, but um, I, yeah, I'll keep my eye out, but yeah, I, I, it's been so long and I, you know, it's funny because everybody's like, why didn't you make a sequel? I'm like, well, I had a script. It took too long. I got frustrated and I ended up on another movie. <laughs> so it's like, you know, and it's like four yeah. movies down the road line. And I'm like, I haven't made this, you know, the second one. So, um, yeah, no, it's a, uh, I get asked about it all the time. I mean, if you get asked about it all the time, that is something that's good, but it's not enough to make it. It's right, a, exactly. you, yeah, I'm always it's... like, Hey, if you've got the money, you know, we've got this, we've got, you know, it's a very, uh, the great thing about it was it was a very much a Kansas horror movie because it involves uh, tornadoes and stormy weather. It's a big part of the plot. Um, the creatures. In does the it movie. involve red slippers? No, it does not. It was. It's like the anti Wizard of Oz. There, there's creatures, and I created. We created this, this, these, these fake creatures that are like werewolves, except mm-hmm. they only change when there's bad weather. So instead of a full moon, if there's a thunderstorm, they start transforming. So that was a whole original concept that we came up with that's a great concept especially and so the first movie the first movie they get locked in the cellar with one of them because it's during a storm and so one of them has been put chained up in the cellar because it's a storm right and then you know Mm -hmm. so um and and so that's what this the sequel just got it was a much more expansive version of that still in a small town kansas Mm -hmm. but like a a town that was occupied by all these creatures and stuff like that. So there was more to it. Um, and it, you know, I, I will make that movie someday if I have to self-fund it at this point, but it's, <laughs> you know, it, I'm still happy with the concept and I'm glad that, it, uh, you know, fingers crossed that nobody comes around and goes, you know, that's a good idea. I'm going to rip it off. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, you never know. You never know. It is a very strong high concept. It yeah. is a, uh, and I am a little surprised nobody else has ripped it off yet. Um, yeah, but the, and maybe yeah. it's because of because I think maybe it's that's why a lot of people really like dug the first one and we we uh we put a lot of time and energy into that film and it ends kind of on a cliffhanger which would have made made for a good sequel um, mm-hmm. and so I'm always thinking okay it's been ten years since the release of the first movie and you know legacy sequels are a thing now you know you can make movies oh, yeah. years later and stuff but um so we'll we'll see what happens yeah. So that's really interesting. Um I think with that we're going to move on to the uh last three questions that okay. I had. Great. All Great. of my uh guests. So the first question you can answer it second. Sometimes people need a second to think. What are your top 3 favorite movies of all time as it stands right this second now? They can change in 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Right now. It's hard because the top three fluctuate, but I would definitely mm-hmm. say Raiders of the Lost Ark is number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get Empire Strikes Back in there. Funny enough, none of them are horror. I would put Big I was surprised that I the would, first I, two I, I mean, Big Trouble in Little China is in there as well, I think. You know, but okay. then I think RoboCop is always kind of like bumping Edging up. It. Yeah, no, that makes total sense you know and then i would i mean i would put horror movies in there and it's just that those are the ones that like raiders was like the one that i saw as a kid that was maybe the most influential in terms of like oh my god i want to make movies um yeah and it's one of those movies i always tell people that it's perfect because what would you change what would you what would you change in that movie 
I would make it so that uh, I almost said Han Solo, but I meant Indy um, doesn't uh, stay on top of the submarine when it goes under the ocean. That is the one thing I always it's funny because there's actually, I think, shots behind the scenes shots where he's hanging onto it or something like that, that they filmed, which would have been ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I always imagine that the, 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 the submarine just never went underwater. He just hung out on top. <laughs> and when he was close enough to the Nazi base, he just swam. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those yeah, are probably no. my top three. It fluctuates because like I'll be like thinking about, you know, I'll be watching Robocop and then I'll be like, well, this is actually more of my top three. And then it's like, ah. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah. So like I said, it's meant to be a how you're feeling at that exact at time, moment. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. Um, I actually used to use that uh, when I was still single. I actually used to use that when I was trying to chat up women in bars. and oh, Ask them what worked. their favorite three movies were? Yeah. Did um, any of them say RoboCop? <laughs> I'm just, I'm... I don't know if anybody said RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> I got The Princess Bride a lot. Yeah, it's a great movie. A it great is movie. a great movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, it was a... Uh, for the single people in this audience, yeah. it does work. You get to know a lot about the person really quickly. Right, right. right. Um, the uh, So then the second question. Okay. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, uh, how, uh, where would you, what would that advice be and wh when would you give it to yourself? I think probably... And I've learned this since um, I would go back and say, you know, have a sense of humor about everything, because mm -hmm. if you take things too seriously, like if filmmaking, if you you the, the, the fun can drain out of it if you let it. And I think that yeah. I always. I have since learned this, but I probably would have gone back earlier when I was making Nailbiter and even Enclosure, where I was a little too maybe too serious about it to the point where like it was very stressful and not as much fun as it could have been and, and since then it's been a lot better so i feel like mm -hmm. um i would go back and say you know just have some fun because we're all on this planet for a you know finite amount of time and it's like good to just enjoy yourself while you're here you know and don't don't take yourself so seriously oh that makes sense that's Part of why I crack a lot of dumb jokes on this. Part. I mean, yeah, I'm. I mean, the thing is that like they wait in the dark is a very, very serious movie. But on mm -hmm. off camera, we were laughing and making jokes the whole time, um, and it, 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 yeah, it made the process much smoother. You know, I don't, I don't believe mm -hmm. in having unhappy sets. If anyone's unhappy, I'm like, you know, we need to increase need to have the touring budget. Yeah, you know, I just, I feel like everybody. I don't like. I, I was told one time that you need to make people uncomfortable on set. And I'm like, why? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't care if you're making Schindler's List. You don't have to make people uncomfortable. I'd you imagine know? it would only hurt the final product. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they Happy want... Happy crews make better movies. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, solidarity. Yeah. But the... Uh... Yeah, then the final question. Okay. Um, where can people find you? What are you looking for from what people I, who might listen? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So you can find me on Facebook. I think it's Patrick M. Ray. M. For right. Michael. I think, but um, you can find me there. I'm always posting stuff about 
my where my films are playing and, and what I'm working on. Um, lately, I've been on Twitter a lot more, ironically, or X. I mean, <laughs> I don't, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's funny because I've been kind of late to the game on it. But um, And then uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram uh, mm -hmm. under, I think, Patrick Emery there. Um, and Instagram is great because you can have as many friends as you want. Like Facebook caps you at 5,000. So it's like, you know, and then, you, but then I guess you can have your filmmaker page, which is, is you know, you can go mm. as, as, as high as you want, but it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then I'm on TikTok now. So, you know, look me up there. I'm, I'm occasionally posting trailers and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of my films again are on like the typical streaming services like Vudu and Amazon, Redbox On Demand. Um, I've got I Am Lisa and Belong to Us both on Peacock. Mm -hmm. Um, Arbor Demon on MGM Plus. Uh, Nailbiter is on, like I said, Apple TV, uh, iTunes, um, Amazon. Um, so yeah, just looked up the films there. Give them a nice score on IMDb because it always seems like IMDb is a place where angry people <clears throat> hang out and purposely make your score go down low. So that's, yeah, that, that, that would be accurate. It, yeah, they're I like mean, the LA times in that way. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, kidding, the LA times is a great outlet. <laughs> I've just gotten nothing but negative reviews. So I um, make fun of them. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. So those are where that's where to find me. And, and, um, uh, hopefully <laughs> I will continue to keep making stuff. So that's my, my, you know, everybody goes, what everybody's like, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like still making movies. And, you know, I, I have a house and, and two kids and, you know, that's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, not much... it's a balancing act, you know, it's yeah. a balancing act of, of, uh, you know, trying to make a living at this and uh, maintaining maintaining my my creative juices per se and then raising my kids and and um being a good family man so yeah i mean it's it sounds like you've hit a point in your life where there aren't a ton of qualitative differences that could be made um from where you are you've got what yeah. sounds like a great family you get to make movies for a living yeah and you've got your own house. I mean, there you are. I there wouldn't, are say, some, I wouldn't yeah. say no to a, a five million dollar budget. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who would? Yeah, but I, the, say, uh, like, I always tell people, yeah, no, I'll do it if you, if it happens. But you know, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to. The thing is, I don't like to wait around uh, for yeses and nos sometimes. So I'll, I'll mm -hmm. go out and make something, you know, regardless. Um, yeah, no, that's so. that makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's a natural part of this industry right so patrick exactly. thank you very much um this has been the movie moolah podcast in a special spooky season episode and i'm never doing that again um if you like this content please hit like subscribe if you're on youtube hit the bell if you're anywhere else set it to auto download and if you are and if you want more film business content, check out my free uh, independent film business resource pack at the slash resources. Lots of goodies there. Thanks very much and see you next week.